Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Kansas and Baylor absolutely blow it on both ends. We'll explain that in a massive Big 12 clash. Also, more from the day on Saturday as Big 12 home teams go 5-1 and one on the day, actually 6-1 and one on the day, a breakdown of a big Saturday in the Big 12. That's coming up on the Big 12 Watch. I am your host, Josh Neighbors, here on Crystal Ball College Football. We are part of 365 Sports Network. We cover all things Big 12 football and basketball. You all can find the show wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. At NWPod365 is where you guys can find us on X slash Twitter. Once again, you all can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. You can get the show wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. So here is the here is the deal with, with what happened on Saturday. We had a great, fun day of college basketball. We had some close games. I'm not going to say that they were particularly good games. We had a Houston rally. We had uh, you know BYU holding off uh, Kansas State. We had Texas Tech getting back in the win column. Uh, we had a close Bedlam basketball game as well. But but I didn't feel like it was a great day because the main event of the day, Kansas and Baylor, a uh, little bit of a of a blank show at the blank factory. I mean, this this was a close game. It was not necessarily a good game. And look, here's the thing, guys. Big 12 basketball is allowed to have duds. Uh, they are. I think what was particularly concerning about this game is that it exposed a couple things about both of these teams. One for Baylor, like they just need to make some shots, man. I mean, when I think about this Kansas Baylor game, I think about the fact that maybe these shots go in for Baylor, but like, you know, are these guys going to make sure that they are killers at the end of the season? And also great game from the C. I mean, I think on a positive note, like he proved that he can go the best to best head to head. And he did so in this game. Uh, But, but that being said, man, like there are some serious concerns for Baylor. There are, because they should have won this game. There are some serious concerns for Kansas. Kansas is the story of this game. The last 30 seconds of this basketball game, and we're about to show it now here now, um, this is some of the worst basketball in a winning effort I think I've ever seen a Bill Self team play. I don't think that's too far to say. I, I really don't think uh, we're going overboard in saying that. It was appalling how bad Kansas was. 
And the reason why they were appallingly bad is because number one, Kevin McCullough was gone. That's their, that's their two. But what happens is when he's gone, they have no depth, right? They have no depth to take over and Dewan Harris guts it out, but you've got McCullough out Harris injured. And this Kansas team is not good enough. Cause I mean, they need Harris to make sure the trains run on time. And McCullough is there is one of the best two way players in all of college basketball. And have a sip of water because I'm, I'm already I'm already hot about it. Uh, Michael Swain uh, Swain, excuse me, on Twitter tweeted this thing out about what Kansas did. We're about to show it, but I'm just talking about those factors that led to it. Sure, those factors are there, but a Bill Self team should not be playing this quality of basketball late in the game. So I'm going to check it out here. I'm going to I'm going to share with you all on my screen once again. We're going to go to Twitter because Michael Swain actually broke this thing down in 30 seconds that were just really I mean uh, awful. So let's take a look here. So we've got, first of all, situation 64, 61, 17 seconds left. We're going to do a dribble handoff move here to Nicholas Timberlake over top of the screen. He's got Dickinson who's looking for the ball already. We've got, I think I believe it's Massey is dropping here and he goes and takes the ball. Now here's the thing. Look, we've got a second here. We're actually, if you put this pass high enough, it's, it's pretty good defense there on, on the screen for Baylor. But if you put this thing high enough, Dickinson off this roll should be able to catch that. If you get it up in the air towards the rim or even just more up in the air, but you got to get this pass around him. Fires it out of bounds. That's the first thing. So now Baylor's got a chance. Let's take a look at this, this defense here. It's two high ball screens. All right. Or actually they're going to send, I believe they're going to send Masi under and he's going to, he might ball screen again off this action. Right. So, all right. So Masi's going to roll, right? So he's actually rolling down here. You've got this dribble or you've got this uh, pick and roll. I mean, Timberlake just, or for whoever the hell it is, cannot stay in front, right? So we've blown it right there. So now the help defense has completely come over. The one thing you actually cannot give up in this situation is a three. A three, a two-point shot does not beat you. A three absolutely beats you in the sense that it ties the game. Wide open corner three. And also problem is too, there's actually nobody boxing out the man underneath the rim. And and this is a bad decision by him. He he fades, he flares out. He should have he should have been going for that rebound. I know you might have, might not have been in position, but still he needs to go for that rebound. It's long, and here comes Kansas. They get it. Okay, they're going the other way, right? But once again, look off this screen. Okay, it's one on one. You're still in a good position. This guy, I mean, in the corner here. I'm not sure what the hell we're doing. Why 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 is our our tail to the rim? Like no help at all. Um, I know once again you want to give up a three, but like this is actually inadvisable help position because you can still get beat back door here, and. Easy, easy shot. They come over. They leave a wide open three. Okay, so we've got that. Now, at the free throw line, Nicholas Timberlake. Okay, we're going to miss. Boom, look at that. Not good. Other way. Now, watch this. I mean, there's nobody up on the screener. There's nobody there up on the screener to help out this. Nicholas Timberlake just drifts into space. He's going for a guy who's already covered by, I believe, El Marco Jackson, and they're going to leave a wide-open three at the buzzer. And look at Dewan Harris. He's clapping. And so they've just won this basketball game, guys. And Dewan Harris is clapping at these two guys. who are like, whoo, we dodged this bullet. I mean, this was terrible. This was terrible. And look, I don't know if responsibilities got flipped, but, the, I mean, you know, there were, there were stoppages. These guys had times to talk about it. El Marco Jackson, Nicholas Timberlake, besides not really being, like, that productive, this is just bad basketball. Like this isn't missing shots. I mean, it's missing free throws, but the turnover from Timberlake, the bad positioning by Timberlake and by Furphy, the poor help defense in the corner by whoever it was in the corner. Uh, 
you know, I, I think sometimes the best thing about playing basketball, getting guys ready for certain situations, like you need to like you need to play in them, right? You can't just sit in the bench and go into Big 12 basketball games and be ready. And I know these guys do play some. But the issue is KU rides their best players so much to the point where other guys come in the game. They don't know what to do. And look, Baylor's a really good team. So you're actually not going to be playing too many teams a lot better than Baylor. But you're going to play teams that are older than Baylor, certainly. You're going to play teams that have shot makers just like Baylor does. And so that is what's concerning if you are Kansas. This was a poor effort in terms of execution, in terms of defense, in terms of finishing a game. I mean, everything was bad. Baylor had multiple good looks. The shots just didn't go in. And that happens in basketball in general. It really does happen a lot more in college basketball because obviously these guys are not as good as your, you know, run-of-the-mill NBA players. But I think, you know, you look at this at this footage and you think about these results, this result in particular, and, and Kansas's results as of late, like K-State just messing up repeatedly and KU could not put them away. Um, and this is an issue Kansas is now having. I mean, th this this was not a great week for Kansas basketball. They, they, they lose to K-State in the road and they play Baylor at home. And I know Harris was injured. But like this guy injured Harris is playing much better defense and putting up much better resistance than El Marco Jackson and Nicholas Timberlake combined. Johnny Furphy right now, the shooting has just not been there for him lately. And Dickinson's playing well. McCullers playing well, but they're going to need more than that. They they are just they're going to need more than that. They're going to need more out of Dewan Harris scoring the basketball, I think, because they cannot win game 64-61 with that quality of defense. Baylor was 31% from three. They were eight for 26. The three-point defense was pretty good, to be honest. And Kansas did force 21 turnovers. But uh, that version that forced 21 turnovers was not the version that we saw in the last few possessions. Um, and if Baylor turns the ball over like six less times, they win this game because they just they'll hit a couple more shots, right? I mean, if you if you're shooting the ball at 30%, 31%, you take two more threes, like you can make those. Now, KU did you the ball at five for 21. So that wasn't great. But plus the 13 and the turnover, that's great. But it's a you can play a good game defensively and play bad defense in the end. And that's what's concerning about Kansas. They played a good defensive game that they just could not finish because the personnel on their bench is not good enough at this point. It's a great, it's, I mean, it's a great win on paper, but it's not a great win if you go and you watch and you evaluate the end of that game. Um, but Kansas does win at home. So I think we have to give them that credit. I mean, but you look at the Monday night, man, like Kansas is on the road at Texas Tech on Monday night. I mean, are we, are you favoring them in United Supermarkets Arena? No, I think KU could be looking at their fifth Big 12 loss in their first 12 games after that game. I think that's very much possible. Uh, okay. Also, big results. So I thought I go going into this weekend, I said, hey, Houston, Cincinnati, huge game, Cincinnati, massive opportunity here. And they fought and they scratched, and they clawed. Houston was just a little bit better. Um, they took care of the basketball in this game. They shot well from the free throw line in this game. Uh, they defended at a really high level and they, you know, they won the rebounding battle. I mean, this was a close slugfest of a basketball game, 67-62. Cincinnati still on the outside looking in. Plenty of opportunities left to get some wins, but on a day where Michigan State gets a big win, this was one of those that was not there for the taking necessarily, but it would have been a excuse me massive feather in the cap of Cincinnati to get the job done. But this is why Houston shows they're a top five team, and this is why even though Kansas, you know, kind of, I mean, kind of, Kansas really did get the better of Houston in a pretty significant way last week in Allen Fieldhouse. This result right here is why I'd still say Houston's the best team in the Big Twelve. Uh, because they go on the road, they gut it out 67-62, and the guard 
And it's just, you know, it's it's so important for them. But they had other guys step up. Jamal Shedd was 625 in this game. And then LJ Cryer only played 17 minutes. He was in foul trouble at eight points, right? So for them to get a huge effort out of Juwan Roberts, another guy who's in just, you know, uh, he's been around for forever. You know, a guy this year is averaging nine points a game. To get a 25-point effort out of that guy, to have him dominate the way he did, or to me, 20-point effort, 20 and eight for him on the day, significant that's that's where this game was won and lost because neither of these two teams shot the ball well uh neither of these two teams you know they didn't go to the free throw line a ton in this game uh, they didn't shoot well from three i mean cincinnati had 19 made baskets that just shows the defense of kelvin sampson's group the offense can come and go but they've got guys they have three separate guys that we know can give you 20 right shed can give you 20 Cryer can give you 20 and we just are there with roberts roberts can definitely give you 20. uh he's done it multiple times this season so having a guy like that's huge a huge win for houston and cincinnati in my opinion this puts them on the wrong side of the bubble they'll be fighting the rest of the way we already knew they would but a win like this puts you on the right side let's talk about iowa state 71 tcu 59 because i actually think this game is pretty simple to break down tcu did scratch and claw and kind of get themselves back in it but this game was won in the first half there is a large stretch of the first half where TCU just could not score. Um, let's see. They had six points at 17-18. They got to eight points at, uh, let's see, at 9.38 in the first half. They got That's when they got to eight points. So they went eight minutes of action without scoring points. That's not going to get the job done on the road. We know that Iowa State can go stagnant, but TCU... Eight of 16 from the line. Uh, their guards got attacked off the ball screens. I mean, I, I they, they kind of just got chased off the perimeter and guys were not decisive enough going to the basket. And they got themselves into a lot of cluttered, close situations. And they missed a bunch of free throws. They had a couple open threes, but they had to take some difficult ones as well. So I think the defense was the big thing. The three-point deep or just the ch kind of chasing them off the three-point line, that was huge. And Iowa State has just a nice, efficient day. 50 from the floor, 42 from three, 83 from the line. That will take care of business when you play as good of defense as they played today. And here's the thing. Every single one of their starters took seven shots. Now, you know, what happened to those seven shots? You know, you have a two of seven, four of seven, four of seven, three of seven, two of seven. Right, and Jones comes off the bench, shoots nine. It's variance, different guys getting different looks out of different sets. You know, it was it was kind of a sustained effort. And so that's why I think Iowa State goes on and wins this game. Was this the best game Iowa State has played all season? Uh, no, not in my opinion. But was it another strong effort that gets them at seven and three in the league? I mean, I said this before, like this Iowa State team, sometimes it's just the home court advantage. It feels like is what's carrying them in Big 12 title races. This team is definitely good enough. They're a half game back now. Um, and they're a half game up in the loss column on KU. Now that stuff will even out, but they've got the win over Kansas already. And then, uh, they have the, yeah, they don't play Kansas again. So I've already mentioned that. And right now, I mean, this stretch from Iowa state, they've won, let's see, one, two, three, four, they've won five of their last six. They beat TCU by one K state by 11, Kansas by four, lost to Baylor just by two, beat Texas by five, beat TCU by 12. They're winning close games. They're attacking the rim. They're playing good defense. I mean, Iowa State just looks like a really good outfit. Not just not just a top 15 team. That's what the ranking says. I think it's a top 10 team. And they've got a huge game this week against Cincinnati. It's a massive contest for both. Well, mostly for Cincinnati. But I think Iowa State, you know, if talking about a conference championship, like you can put yourself in a really good spot if you win that game because you have Tech at home. Then you've got Houston next week, which is a pivotal showdown. That one's on the road. It's going to be tough. Um, but they've already got one win against Houston this year at home, 57-53.
So, you know, they're behind in the standings, which is why the second game becomes more important. And there's a good chance you split with the mighty Houston Cougars this year, which is obviously something that, you know, is a, is a huge boon for your, for your season. All right. Also, uh, on this Saturday, we had, let's see, let's go Texas Tech 66, UCF 59. Uh, this was another one of those low scoring games. It's the defense from Texas Tech that gets the job done in this one. Uh, you know, they, was, this was a, uh, not a, like once again, not an aesthetically pleasing game, but the big bottom line here is UCF goes five for 24 from three. Kind of your difference, right? I mean, just you can't shoot that many shots and miss. Uh, and once again, I love Pop Isaacs. Uh, he has just really struggled shooting the basketball this year, averaging 17 points per game, but he's shooting 36% from the floor, 33 from three, which is not terrible, 82 from the line. Uh, all of his numbers shooting wise are all down. He is down in every single category. They're going to need that to step up here as we get later on in the season. They're just going to have to if they want to be a serious contender. The tandem in the backcourt of Joe Toussaint and Pop Isaacs in this game, they combined for 63 minutes. They shot the ball four for 23. They ended the day four for 23 shooting the basketball. I mean, what else do you like to say about that one, guys? It's, you know, it's they got they get the win, but like this backcourt's going to have to give them more. And I feel like Joe Toussaint has at times, but Pop Isaacs is far too inconsistent. And so that's why, you know, I know this league is so tough, but this felt like a Saturday where I'm kind of down on it as a whole, just because some of the performances were not that good. Now, look, we're in the middle of February, so you are going to get a couple of knockdown drag out fights. That's just the nature of the schedule. It's the nature of this league. You're going to get all of those things kind of combining together. Yes. But at the same time, you like to see some of these teams separate in terms of the quality and how they look and whatnot. I thought uh, BYU did a very good job in that category. Just a really good effort. I thought K-State's effort was very good, too. They obviously have to keep turning it on now because the outside looking in, they need some more quality wins. But this is another one of those rock fighty games. The big difference here, BYU forces seven more, or um, let's see, nine more turnovers, 16 K-State turnovers. We said that would be the difference and ball security would be huge. It was more turnovers leading to points on the other end for BYU, which obviously is, is uh, you know, significant or just more possessions in general. BYU, 14 points off turnovers. K-State, five points off turnovers. BYU wins by six. In my estimation, that was a big difference, especially in a game where BYU gets out-rebounded. They're able to win because the turnovers and turning those turnovers into points. That was the critical uh, portion, and I believe critical performances from BYU was the way they turned those into points. Also this week, a good win for Oklahoma. Uh, you know, uh, Oklahoma State was was there to play. These rivalry games are always super close. This is another one of those it was lower scoring. It was ugly. Uh, you know, the big advantage here uh, in this game was I just think the balance scoring. You look at the bench and what Oklahoma was able to do off the bench. They end up getting 29 points from their bench. Three is six effort, three is six, three of four, one of four. So, I mean, you have a day where your bench goes, let's see there, 10, 4, 20, 50% from your bench, including six threes in your bench, six to nine threes you hit were off the bench. That will get the job done. Porter Moser's team, six and five in the league, 18 and six overall. Not the best team in the league, uh, but they're definitely like, you know, a top half team and they've performed like that all season long. Uh, Texas is trying to prove they're a top half team. They get a blowout win over West Virginia. This game was never close. It was a 25 point game at the half. The first half just buried, uh, you know, absolutely buries West Virginia. 
and a really good day for Texas shooting the ball 51%. They only went to the line eight times. They only had five turnovers, though. They were plus 10 in turnovers. They played good defense. They shot the hell out of the ball. And that was pretty much all she wrote in this game. But it leads you to Big Monday, guys. It leads you to a to a really exciting Big Monday that's got two games on tap. And the big one, obviously, I mentioned before, is Texas Tech hosting Kansas. We'll see what the status of Dewan Harris is. And then TCU also hosts West Virginia. TCU looks to get back above 500 in league play. It's 7 o'clock game for TCU and West Virginia on ESPN+. Then on ESPN at 8, it is KU and Texas Tech. All right, folks, that will do it for this edition of the show. Make sure you like the video, subscribe to the channel, and uh, make sure you all find us. We've got your podcast, five stars in those places. Comments, all those things help a lot. Follow us on Twitter slash X. All right, folks, we'll talk to you all next time.